0: That, uh, that
1: you would like some champagne? Uh, um, no, I never touch spirits. Have you some milk?
2: Hey there, and welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. A podcast where we attempt to pair the best of comic books with the best of cocktails. This week's episode is the first of a two-part episode where we attack the classic Batman comic, The Killing Joke. Due to some scheduling issues, our panel was not able to meet all at the same time, so we recorded it twice and edited it together, so it is sort of a mega-mix of a podcast. If you like what you hear, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All those links are available via our website, funnybooksandfirewater.com. And if you don't like what you hear, your robot overlords will surely be displeased. Now sit back and enjoy as we discuss The Killing Joke.
1: I'm Adam McDonald. I am the film critic and promotions editor for BigShinyRobot.com, uh, as well as the co-host of the movie review podcast, the Board as Hell podcast.
2: How do you want to be introduced? Do you want to be Q? You want to be Quentin? to be you Q want... is
0: fine.
2: Q Just is Q? Fine. So, so we're talking to Q,
0: mm-hmm.
2: a star on screen mm-hmm. from La Plata, Maryland. Uh, the exotics <laughs> will play to Maryland. Yes, uh, I am. I am a star here. You are. You're. You're big shit there. You really are. Uh, currently playing Edna. Uh, what's the last name? Turnblad. Edna Turnblad. In uh, In hairspray, at La Oh no, mm-hmm. port tobacco players. Yes. Yes. Hells I, yeah! I'm, I remember that. Yes. So <laughs> cheers. Cheers, good sir, from
1: across the country. Um, yeah, and we're here to talk about some some funny books, but uh, we're also drinking too. So, <laughs> Brian, what are you what are you drinking right now?
2: Uh, I am uh, with uh, with this book. I am going with my standard classic uh, campfire uh, from uh, High West Distilleries, which is a uh, a lovely distillery in uh, Utah, and uh, I am kind of addicted to it right now. I have gone through a bottle of this faster than I've gone through anything else I've actually normally drink. Um, it's kind of a cool thing. I don't know if you've ever had it. It's a uh, it's a blend of, what do I got? Straight rye whiskey, straight bourbon whiskey, and blended uh, malt scotch whiskey. So for the whiskey drinkers, it's kind of nice. It's a pretty smooth start, and then kind of has that smokiness that you get off of, uh, um, like scotch without, I don't know. I think scotch sometimes is a little too peaty for me. And uh, this kind of just has like a nice smoke to it, kind of, uh, it's kind of cool. And I kind of, because of the book, because of the humble beginnings that it introduces uh, the Joker as, it kind of felt, you know, sort of, down home I, mean, I don't know if this is appropriate for this book but it kind of felt right for me I don't know
1: why yeah. so well that's actually my, my boss's favorite uh, whiskey of all is the campfire whiskey yeah. It's likes the really smoky flavor um, interestingly enough from what I was reading online uh, scotch whiskeys right now are in danger because they use peat to help make them and they're uh, running out of peat in Scotland well that's interesting because so. i the other weird thing I read uh, the other day was
2: that, uh, for the first time last year, s- whiskey's had outsold vodka for like the first time in decades. Are you serious? Yeah, like oh, whiskey wow. has taken a huge jump, but I'm not necessarily certain why. Probably some hipster thing, I'm sure, but yeah, uh, Goddamn you know, pictures. Well, yeah, and I i mean, when it comes to whiskey, I might be among them because I'm kind of a nerd about them. But well, that's,
1: that's, that's not so much being a nerd. I mean, you're allowed to be snobbish about like things that you're drinking and neat. So. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. What are you drinking, sir? Right now, I'm just kind of going with my standby. Uh, just It sounds really weird, but vodka and cherry Coke, like, everyone makes fun of me, but the story was, this was, God, back when I was still in California. I was at a party, ran mm-hmm. out of the mixers, all we had was Absolutely, so I fuck it and tried it, yeah. and I really enjoyed it, and seems to be catching on. But the actual the drink I was going to recommend for this, I just had to work and couldn't go to the liquor store. Um, as pretty as it sounds, I would do an apple apertini with a Maraschino cherry because that's okay. kind of the like green and the red for the joker. Kind of I got gotcha. it. I got gotcha. it. Um, but you wouldn't want to drink more than two because it's way high sugar, and you will be hungover as shit the next day. Yeah. So that's actually the only one of the only hangovers. That's my superpower is. My special mutant powers. I do not get hangovers. I can drink a bottle of vodka and go to bed and be fine. Um, but apple teenies will do it to me. I've had one hangover, and that was due to too many apple teenies. <laughs> that might be the sugar, actually. Yeah, it's probably the sugar. So, but yeah, I figured again, like you said, the Joker. Um, kind of get an origin, uh, and actually, yeah. we're gonna find out uh, next month, apparently, for realsies what his uh, real identity is in Justice League 50. So that would be kind of fun. Well, that
2: would be, yeah, because there is a, a thing in here, not Jumping Part 2 head, but it does sort of say, and it, you know, this might be my origin. I kind of like my past to be what, uh, uh, follow the leader
1: or no mm-hmm. the reason said. Uh, and that's Uh, kind of what choose your own adventure I think he says and that's what Heath Ledger did uh, in The Dark Knight was he's like hey you know could I tell you where I got these scars and he tells like four different stories
2: yeah Um, cool so now we're recording and we are on a great adventure with Q trying to find alcohol in his Mormon household alright let's let's go what are you drinking Uh, this is High West uh, Campfire Whiskey it was actually a uh, Christmas present from our friend Todd if he ever joins us okay
0: well, I there we got are. Myself, some fireball. Oh, fantastic! There's, you, there's, a, there's a little bit left. Are you mixing um, it with anything?
2: Mixing. No, who wait. Mixes, so, who mixes where do you a cocktail? I mix a cocktail, but um, <laughs> where are you hiding
0: your booze at your parents' house? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> just in the freezer. No, um, Ben's over here a lot, so we just put our it's not like a thing that we have to hide it or anything. So your parents are totally cool if you just drink it out in the open now. Mm, I wouldn't say cool with it. <laughs> okay, what would you say? <laughs> I would say cool. they tolerate the fact that I am here.
2: Did I tell you about my parents after my wedding, actually, speaking of booze? No, oh, what did they do? Uh, no, so my parents, uh, I was raised Mormon. Uh, and uh, my wife and I have a tendency to like to seek out speakeasies uh, and uh, high-end cocktail bars. Uh, we're not big drinkers, but we do like really good, well-made whiskeys, or not whiskeys, but drinks in general. I'm just drinking a very good whiskey right now. Sir, um, Madonna's here. So, I, I noticed. <laughs> uh, how can you not see the material girl behind your head, sir? Uh, oh. Oh, Is that your wife? No, that's my phone, that's and awesome. I thought i put on silence. No, that's... That's somebody else who I had no intention of talking to today. Uh, here, let me put... I'm
0: just going to lounge Rubenesque on on my bed. Here. I dig it, man.
2: I dig it. Okay, we are now turning off my phone. This is like a disaster. It's great.
0: Um, <laughs> so, here we go. We're the best podcasters ever. You know
2: what? It, you'd be amazed at how many podcasts sound like this because I listen to a lot and that's pretty much what it is. But, um, no, going back. So, so, my, so, we did sort of like a speakeasy-themed wedding which was very appropriate for me and Jess, and uh, one of the things we did, which was very much Jess's idea, obviously, because I am very much a Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy when it comes to my parents and drinking, uh, is we had a shot of whiskey over the altar. Um, really good stuff, too. Uh, for those of you who are a little bit whiskey nerds, it was um, uh, Orphan Barrel, which is from the Pappy Van Winkle Distillery. Uh, it's, it was Orphan Barrel's uh, Lost Profit uh, is what we drank, because uh, it was a special occasion. You gotta drink the good stuff. But um, So my mom very Mormon. Like I said, don't ask, don't tell policy. She goes down to Florida on vacation with my dad. Uh, he had a, a conference there. And, uh, so she'd gone and hung out and she'd gone to Disney world to hang out. And I was talking to her, asking her how her trip was after the wedding. And she's like, Oh, well, you know, it was great. They had the food and wine festival going on and they had, you know, all this really great food and all this stuff you could taste and they have all the different countries have different food and whatever. And then at the end of it, the and they have booze and it was like, okay. <laughs> I love you, Bob. You've seen me drink once. That does not suddenly mean, like, oh my God, here. The only way to get to somewhere is that it involve alcohol. And I, I know there was her wink and her nod of being like, I, I'm okay with you drinking. I get it. But it was really, like, super fucking awkward. Like, it was just really,
0: really bizarre. Like, it was loving, but awkward as hell. So. I was going to say, I just chaperoned high schoolers in. Disney in Orlando, and the only enjoyable part was when I got fucking rid of them. That they went to some workshop, and I got to just drink around Epcot. Like oh, you did, you did the drink around the world. world part. Well, we could. We didn't have enough time to really do the whole world. So, um, my dear friend Angelina, who um, a cast member there, um, she I asked her suggestions on where to go. So we went to Germany. England for the fish and chips and I got like this random ass cocktail in China. It was good. It was some kind of like berry blossom yada yada. Yeah. Uh-huh. And where's the other one? It wasn't in Mexico because it wasn't like a tequila based cocktail, but it was oh, oh because it was like the flower festival in Orlando. Okay. So there was like a special like cart that had like flower-themed cocktails and I was just like, it a vodka. Sounds good, thanks.
2: (laughs) Okay, so you're drinking Fireball now. Yes, currently, Um, yes. Okay, so now the question becomes, to start out with, so you get home from a long day at work or, uh, you know, you're ready to sit down, you're going to settle in, you're going to read The Killing Joke. What is the perfect pairing cocktail for you? Like, what do you, like, if you have your own personal Jeeves bartender to make something for you, you know, cause the problem I have is I'm a shit bartender. So, um, <laughs> uh,
0: I, I, allow that to well, be Jess. I over pour under pour. I'm terrible. So, well, I'm trying to think because like, there's definitely like the insane theme. So maybe like something like a kamikaze or something like, um, like a dirty bong water where it's just like all kinds of like gross things mixed together. Okay. You know, I can see like that. Crazy. Cuz like you could probably just like rename a dirty bong water to be something joker themed because it's like blue and green. It could be you the actual ac- mechanical works, you, yeah. you can probably make that like purple. Oh, probably. Um or you can go really terrible, which this is completely. Not PC. You could just get yourself a good red-headed slut because barbara's nude spoiler alert Um, uh okay there you go um or a bloody mary because you know she's bloody uh okay but no I, i i think you'd probably go with something like crazy probably once again something like dirty bong water related but probably make it like purple on the bottom with, like, some green on top. You know, actually talk to a real bartender to find out how the fuck to make that. Mm-hmm. But something, like, fruity that, like, tastes completely crazy, but it's gonna get you super fucked up. Okay. I can follow that. I can follow that. Um, uh, we, we, need to, we need to know people who know how to actually mix cocktails.
1: But speaking of, let's go ahead and dive in. So, you were the one who kind of suggested the killing joke. So, what made you want to hop on this for like our pilot's adventure here?
2: Uh, my, my thought was, honestly, it was a very classic book that um, I feel like most people who read comics probably have come across some point in time and probably already have. Um, I, uh, I, I also don't necessarily read a lot of mainstream comics. Personally, I have a tendency to read a little bit more of the indie stuff, not that I'm a snob that way, but I kind of always feel like, Anytime someone wants to get into comics, I talk to them about, okay, what kind of movies are you into? And that can kind of help guide you where you are. But I feel like uh, this book is as well mainstream uh, as you can get, but it's also very well done. It has a very interesting story. has great art. Um, and it's uh, fairly easy to follow, which I have some thoughts on that, which we can get into later, but... Um, that was, it was sort of one of those things where it's like, you know, when we're doing a pilot, I feel like it's something that everyone already had access to, and it's probably something pretty easy to get access to as well. We'll, we'll start out with, like, a little bit of a preview. I mean, it basically is a, a Joker book more than anything else. The Bat, Batman is a very small
1: character in it. Um, oh, yeah. Really. I mean, this yeah. isn't like Dark Knight Returns or any other big ones, but this, if we look at all the Batman stories, I mean, there's, there's the iconic ones that everyone should read, even if you're not a DC fan yeah the killing of death in the family nightfall uh hush there's just certain ones that are so iconic and so shaping for the character uh to me I, i'm a huge joker fan um yeah. he's my favorite villain pretty much in any comic universe uh and this is just such a perfect joker story that yeah it, it's I, I felt ashamed that i only read it for the first time like two years ago for some reason it slipped by my notice so uh but it's definitely i'd say probably my favorite Batman graphic novel.
2: Uh, there are a few others that I really like, but I agree with you. I think people are getting into comics, I think there's a bad habit that a lot of comic book readers sit there and say, oh, you know what, you should read um, The uh, Watchmen, which is sort of like sitting there saying, oh, you're interested, or you just learned how to read. You really should go read the entire encyclopedia. Like, or you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, mean something huge. Whereas this, I feel like, is very accessible. And the one thing I, I noticed in it, and I sort of was kind of piecing together, there is a quote from... Um, uh, Tim Burton, where he said this was his favorite, you know, Batman comic and the first comic he ever really loved, and he was never really into comics beforehand. Uh, I think I'm paraphrasing what he said, but basically he said he had a hard time following comics and seeing where it, you know, where one person was talking, another person was talking, and I think part of what works on this book is that it's very gritty, like art-wise, and so it's very easy to follow. Like, this goes me, it's almost always, um, uh what, uh, eight panels per page and, you know, like the art is very sort of uh, classically laid out so that mm-hmm. as a new reader to comics, this is also a very attainable and easy thing to jump into because uh, it's not like you're sitting there going, okay, wait, who's saying
1: this and who is saying that? It's very well laid out that way. Yeah, and it's very um, interesting. You, you you went right to Watchmen, too, as far as being a very deep comic, uh, also written by Alan Moore. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much, I, I guess you could... I don't consider it the greatest graphic novel of all time. I think it's up there, um, but it yeah. is heralded as that, and, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about Watchmen down the road. i oh, sure, that's, yeah. That's gonna be like a couple of multi-episode. Yeah, arc. for sure. No, I mean uh, we might have to split that into all twelve parts, maybe. Yeah, but if you want to have fun with Watchmen, uh, go and just Google, uh, or I go, think BuzzFeed might have done it, um, just how Al, like, Alan Moore craziness in Watchmen, and how like certain issues. That they were actually mere images of each other, where oh, yeah. you know, like, the front page and the last page, uh, the colors were switched, and there's like X's appeared, in weird places. So that is a heavy, heavy, you know, graphic novel. And as someone who was raised reading comics, I mean, I've been reading comics since I was five years old. You know, started with Scrooge McDuck uh-huh. and Ninja Turtles. Uh, even for me, watching still, it's something I've kind of to sludge through, or because it's so much and so heavy. Um, but it's really cool to see that Alan Moore, you know, after the success of that with the killing joke, um, decided to go with a very like I said, simple storytelling that it works perfectly well here. Um, and had he tried to be kind of like more complex than what he is, uh, it wouldn't have pulled off the same way it does. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, and, and
2: just kind of jumping back in, I, I had this thought that um, like you've been reading comics, you know, most of your life. I actually came to comic books very, very late in life. I had the problem of. I wanted to get into comics very early on, but every time I tried to go to a comic store, you'd have the basic classic comic book guy from The Simpsons who was like, oh, you're not smart enough or you don't get it. And basically- who oh no, no not you're not smart store. enough
1: to read yeah. this. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that kind of stuff. So luckily what ended up happening to me, I was working for a uh, theater company in Connecticut and one of the, uh, one of the, elect- or the uh, carpenters on the show happened to be a comic book guy, dragged me up to a, uh, a comic book store in, uh, I, it's in what? Hartford, Connecticut, called Heroes and Hitters. They were just supposed to be baseball cards and comic books, and then they didn't sell many baseball cards, so then they were just comics. But they never changed the name. Uh, but yeah, but he's the one who helped get me into it, and that uh, and so that was part, one of the, part of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast as well. Is the two things that have kind of had to been introduced to by people who uh, you know have been friends of mine or now my wife is kind of the speakeasy and, and cocktail scene, which is my wife very much introduced me to, and then mm-hmm. comic books, which my friend Aaron introduced me to. So that was kind of
1: yeah we all we all had our we all had the person who was our first dealer so that's true yes the first one's free and then they start charging you oh god yeah, well, I, dude i just got back into uh uh you know e electronic comics because i finally have a nice ipad uh-huh. um i forgot that I had all these f- issues that like no, oh, the first issue literally is free they will let you download the first issue and then the next one's four bucks and then four bucks yeah Oh and it gets so. dangerous too. Oh yeah. I very my hold is just Star Wars comics right now. Well and um, I uh, I'm terrible about
2: like I like everything in trades, so of course I'll read it in electronic comics and then start buying it in trades as well, so I'm paying for it
1: twice. So yeah. they so got me going. Some of them you really want to, like I was, we just had a uh, solid Comic-Con fan experience and uh, the good folks over from Watchtower Cafe, so Tui and Corey, if you're listening, we love you, uh, they were selling some comics there and they had the out of print, like 30th anniversary edition of the Dark Phoenix Saga, like, the big hardbound oh, wow. with all the cool speech like, features and you know, they would, nice I sold to me for 20 bucks. I mean, I own that like four times over now, but that's like my favorite comic. I have to have like every version of so. Um, but anyway, let's let's get back to Killing Jokes. So yeah, we get to random. It's pretty awesome, actually. Uh, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> so okay, so we'll do a quick little intro. If you haven't read the Killing Joke, basically what it is is it's a it's a joke origin story. The Joker has um, escaped from Arkham Asylum uh, and has uh, is wreaking a muck. We won't we'll get into that later. Um, a, 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 a a muck, a, a, a muck, 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 a muck, <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's uh, but it, it it delves into. I guess the idea that one bad day can create the supervillain which kind of parallels with Batman's one bad day and uh you know he's sort of um, in this book at least defined by you know things going wrong and everything happening on one particularly bad day uh and so I mean it is highly recommended if you do want to uh, read it and join in with us Go ahead and pause the uh, the podcast now for us. We will wait for you and come back. It is short. It's only about 48 pages. Yeah. Uh, so it is a quick read. You can easily read it in a, you know, 30-minute span probably. And, uh, and then we'll uh, delve into the details, and you'll be on the same page with all of us. Yep, I'm flipping through it right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. So that handled um, – so how do you feel about – well, this is the thing I think is interesting about this book, and going back to the Tim Burton aspect of it, this, uh, in comic book form, is fairly similar to the, what, 1988-89 Batman um, version of the Joker's uh, creation. Yes. Taking out the Red Hood stuff uh, and, and changing his mob associations. Uh, the falling into uh, chemical bath and all that kind of stuff is fairly similar to... Uh, yes. the, 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 and... Um, which I kind of like as an origin story. I don't necessarily have anything much against it. I don't necessarily know how else you would do him as a, as a villain. Well,
1: I guess, you know, for me, you know, was a kid, the Joker was Cesar Romero on the 66 Batman series. And then he yeah. was Jack Nicholson. So kind of for me, the origin of the Joker has always been that, oh, I fell into the acid and got burned and then made me crazy. Uh, so I kind of like that this was carried on through here. Uh It'll, it'll be interesting. I think I think the next month when Justice League 50 comes out and they actually say, hey, this is the Joker's true name, I'm sure they're going to include more than like, oh, hey, it's John Smith. I'm sure they're going to actually, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll just give us a name, but I would think they would actually give us a true origin story. But this is the one that I like the best because, again, this is kind of like my Joker. This is the one I grew up with. Um, and it's really cool if you actually in, go back to The Killing Joke when it's in the flashback scenes of... Uh, of his like with the mob and becoming the Red Hood everything's in sepia and black and white and the yeah. only color you see the whole thing is red and it's like the Red Hood and then like the shrimp treating and it's the very last panel when he comes out of the water as the Joker that is full color and I think it's a really interesting use of color and uh, the impact you have is now is gone from being this normal human who's literally had everything in his whole life stripped away from him um, and you know attacked by Batman when he even though he was breaking in he hadn't done anything wrong yet um, to where he just, you can see what would make someone just fully at that point lose it say fuck it all um, I'm just gonna go out there and watch the world burn
2: yeah and it is interesting that uh, as far as this book goes he is just a guy who is a victim of circumstance at that point in time uh, which may, it's, it makes it very interesting because it's uh, at that point in time Batman's also a victim of circumstance his parents died um, and then, unfortunately, he happens to be in a situation where uh, he's rich enough that no one's going to tell him, hey, by the way, you're being crazy for trying to you know, be a superhero. <laughs> no. Uh, Bad Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah, except well, and he has enough money that the, the repercussions never come up. Like, if Bruce Wayne was poor, he would not be able to be Batman. Like, it just would never end up happening. He'd be a really shitty Batman. <laughs> he would be. He would be. Uh, I mean, he unfortunately, he would be. If he wasn't, well, and actually, that's, that's something interesting that uh, there's, a, I don't know if you're familiar with a, a writer named uh, Chuck Cloisterman. He's a... Essays. Yeah, he wrote. He's written some good stuff. He does a lot of rock writing and things like that. But he has a book out. I think it's a few years old now. Called "I Wear the Black Hat." And Correct. in the book, he uh, he basically. And I I I've been reading through it, and it actually happens to have a chapter very that discusses Batman at length. Actually, um, where he talks about uh, he talks about pop culture ideas, and part of his thing is is he actually associates uh, Bernie Getz from the '80s, who was uh, basically trying to be a professional victim and uh, and get caught and then end up shooting, I think, four black teenagers on a subway, uh, you know, with Batman to certain extent of that vigilante sort of thought process. And one of the things he brings up is that if if Bernie Guest was more attractive, perhaps, he might have not been, like, later on, he became kind of what they consider crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he had been a rich billionaire, would people have viewed him the same way? You know, and it also brings up the interesting point of if you were in a real world where, Batman really existed, like, just for that theory that, okay, Batman is a real guy, there is some vigilante out there dressed up as a bat going after... Um, bad guys. Bad guys. You're assuming bad guys. Because you would hear the story both ways, honestly. You would hear, you know, oh yeah, he captured these bad guys. But you'd also hear it from, you know, oh, my son was just hanging out with his friends and he was being a good guy, but then all of a sudden this giant creature yeah. as a bat swung in and attacked him. Like, it's actually kind of a terrifying thought, that vigilante thought process. In a comic book, we can handle it entirely. And we can kind of play out some of our fantasies about justice and that kind of thing. But it is kind of an interesting concept to look at if these characters were real and it also kind of feel like in if in that scenario where superheroes were real i feel like the joker might be a victim of circumstance in that world as well where he would you know respond to that greater level of insanity where you have a uh you have a batman who is going around causing you know damage whatever if you're if you've lost everything you have and you're now labeled as a criminal you're going to be the biggest craziest criminal you possibly can be
1: um, uh, no, I, I can I can fully see that and that, again, that's what I love again so much about this 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 story, the killing joke, is because you know, the joker's proving, like you said before, we're all one bad day away from being a bad guy. And, you know, he tries to turn you know, he tries to turn uh you know, uh Christian Gordon, you know, by like yeah. literally trying to drive him crazy with pictures of his daughter, horrible things happening to her. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he did the same thing in The Dark Knight with Harvey Dent and Two-Face. Yeah. You know, so again, it's it, the victim of circumstance, yes, but then what decision did you make to either, one, follow the path of madness, or two, did you, you know, did you, like, say no, like what Gordon did, like, no, I'll get on with it, I can get over this, I need to be there for my daughter, and... You know, that's why I think Joker and Batman are so great because, like you said, they're both the same person, just yeah. the extreme opposite ends of what the other one is. So they're, they're two sides of the same coin that, like, one really couldn't exist without the other. And they, you know, Batman goes to the Joker and his one specifically saying, Hey, we need to stop this because it's going to keep on going until one of us kills the other. Um, and in the end, that may or may not have happened. That's kind of left out for interpretation. But, uh, It just does a really good job of showing that the psyche of both the the evil madman and the good madman are essentially the same. Well, it's also interesting
2: in this that the Joker outside of I mean, he does horrible things, but like
1: oh, this is like, yeah,
2: this is some of the worst stuff that he does. But the motive is really just to mess with Commissioner Gordon at that point in time. It's, it's really, all a big he,
1: joke to him, it's, that's yeah, where everything is.
2: Which is almost the more terrifying thing, is that it's not like he's sitting there going after money or he's, you know, trying to do a big bank heist. He's just literally just doing whatever the hell he wants to do. And and he, and he there's a method to his madness, to a certain degree. Like you get the idea that he sort of thought this out and has a plan, but the concern ends up becoming, uh, you know, there is no, there's no gain for him other than making another lunatic if he succeeds. Um, and really he's just toying with the Batman, which is kind of what makes him an amazing villain is that he really has nothing to lose and really has no logic to what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. He's going after it and it's going to be whatever it's going to be. Um, yep. We did talk about some of the horrible things he did. There is some interesting uh, criticism of this book for uh, from feminists about how uh, Barbara Gordon is treated in this. Um, it is horrible what the Joker does to, to Barbara Gordon, but I would say that it is as far as it's Depicted in the book as tasteful as you could probably do
1: that. Yeah, it, was, exactly. it was, it was, yeah, it was, it's kind of like a lot of, like Reservoir Dogs is a great example. Uh, everyone always swears to God that they cut off the, the police officer's ear in the movie. And they do, but they never show you anything. Your mind makes yeah. it up and tastes it from there. And just in this, yes, they're in the rape scene, um, it's very strongly alluded to. And obviously, you see Gordon reacting to it. Um, but it doesn't ever show anything. It's never, uh, it's graphic without being pornography, I guess, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, and and when Gordon is going through the, uh, the, the, the ride and they show the images of her, it's all photographs and it's all just like little snippets here and there. And it implies that there's a lot more to it, but you really don't see anything. And it does leave a lot to your brain to kind of jump in and like... In a weird sort of connection to film way, the film, uh, the the ride that that, that uh, the Commissioner Gordon goes on kind of reminds me of the terror ride in uh, in Rob Zombie's um, House of a Thousand Corpses, mm-hmm. where they're kind of going through, like that. Kind of had that like the, the weird creatures, the creature creatures and things like that. It was kind of. Um, kind of reminiscent of like, you know, dragging someone through their worst nightmares kind of idea, uh, in a, in a far more high fidelity kind of way. And then for the 1980s, I'm surprised that the Joker has the budget to buy, uh, film screens that large to be able to put into a, a dark ride of, uh,
1: that type. But, yeah, uh, you know, his, um, his budget is impressive. I will say that. Well, yeah, you know, I'm sure he's got, you know, an <laughs> offshore bank account in the Cayman Islands, along with the Koch brothers.
0: Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Speak Well, I was just going to say that, like, when you said supposed history of the Joker, actually, when the story was originally conceived, it was supposed to be an Elseworlds tale, which is why he went, like, so kind of out there, especially with, like, shooting Barbara Gordon and, um, like, because, like, there's there's not any kind of, like, clear, um, like, where the story kind of takes place. And uh-huh. like Batman history, like it's not like you know the story that happened right before this is, and the story happened right after this is, um, but people really responded well to it and really liked the fact that this was like a supposed Joker origin, and they actually kind of liked the fact that Barbara got shot, which is kind of terrible. But you know, <laughs> people also voted Robin to die, so. There's
2: that. Uh, Robin, I think, is a more annoying
0: character than Barbara Gordon was. I, I, I kind of have to say, I almost agree well, with you. Especially the second Robin, the one that they killed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so it, so it actually was an Elseworlds story, but people liked it so much that they just kind of took it and ran with it. Well, I was going to say, it kind of brings me into, like, the fact that, you know, when I was growing up, um, I lived for when Yvonne Craig guest starred on the Batman TV show. Not that I watched it when it originally aired, I'm not that old. But, like, when it was, when it would play on, in the afternoons, um... So I always loved Barbara Gordon. I always loved Batgirl. But, like, thinking about when this story came out, by the time the story came out, I, I hadn't even started reading comic books yet. So, like, one of my favorite characters, was like, already had, like, the worst part of her history happened to her before I even started, like, reading. So when my introduction to comics I'm a Marvel person more um we're actually the trading cards at my cousin's house in Utah and um so his his thing is he just always just had all of his comic books out and I remember the killing joke being like in that kind of plastic wrap and I was like Uh oh what's this like this is Batman and my only like real knowledge of Batman at that time was the um was the Adam West TV show, and then the Michael Keaton movie. So I was still, like, not really sure what exactly comic books were, but I saw the cover, which, I mean, I don't know if we're using any video, but, you know, like, you know, I saw the (laughs) cover. And I was like, oh, so it's the Joker, and he's taking pictures. Like, that's cool, whatever. So I went to go um, grab it, and Chisholm, my cousin, was like, um, no. Like, that's not good for, like, that's too adult. Like, you can't read that. So I was like, um, I'll read whatever whatever I want to, hair toss. So I read it, and I and I just cried and cried and cried because the Joker had shot Batgirl. girl and I was traumatic devastated. childhood experiences yes and then after that I read the Dark Knight Returns and I was just like this is getting worse <laughs> <laughs> which then explains why my actual favorite comic is the original Excalibur run start where it was much more lighthearted and mm-hmm. fun because I was totally into Shadowcat Kitty Pride. And um anyway, but that's neither here nor there with this book. But um, maybe
2: may I'm digging that because that's out of my realm. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about at that point.
0: <laughs> you're welcome. This is real geek cred. With uh, dude, you, you got me
2: beat, and I will, I
0: will, uh, uh, I will bow to you. at some point with that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, but I just remember reading this and just being so devastated it because you know once again like the character that i was like oh my gosh bad girl like she's so awesome and it's so shocking and um i mean i feel like i'm already delving into like all the hot button issues of this thing but like it definitely goes into like the whole women in fridges um trope that people talked about which is you know Gail Simone named that after Um, I think it was Kyle Reiner, the Green Lantern's girlfriend, was literally murdered, chopped up, and put in his fridge.
2: Yeah, And Um, it was a time in comics where women were very much made uh, objects and there was sort of a feminist outcry against what was going on. And
0: and part of it was uh, the shooting of Barbara Gordon was was put into part of that as well. Yeah, because the thing is that it really didn't do anything for her character until years later. So it wasn't about Developing her character It wasn't about anything about Barbara Gordon Barbara Gordon getting shot had everything to do with the Joker Trying to make Um The Commissioner Gordon go crazy And obviously piss off Batman Yeah not I mean him not knowing that she was Batgirl But just the fact that she was an innocent person Who was just Paralyzed for no For no reason Um But, you know, for comic book fans, for people who are, like, actually invested into it, like, you just literally took away Batgirl. Like, there will obviously not be a Batgirl. Well, and there wasn't one for, you know, for a very, very, very long time. I'm trying to think. When was... So this came out in 88? About 88, I I believe. believe. And then... Yeah. And then the, like, next Batgirl, I don't think... I think No Man's Land came out in, like, '90 like, 97, 99. So, like, a good 10 years without Batgirl. And, and 97 um, is when she goes back as Oracle? No. No, that's not That's not yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry, drink break. Yeah, I need to take a little sip. No. um, <laughs> Oracle, I'm trying to remember what year that was. I want to say... It was obviously, like, early 90s. No, it was in an issue of Suicide Squad. That they brought back Barbara Gordon as the Oracle character, where she was sort of like the uh, the um, like information broker, because obviously, like you know, the internet wasn't really a huge thing in the early '90s quite yet. Mm. Uh, but like that that kind of that kind of information broker behind the scenes um, character became a thing. And I don't really know a whole lot about that whole Suicide Squad thing. I didn't really get into Oracle until Birds of Prey. But I mean, that okay. still took a long time, you know, in comic book time for that to really happen where, you know, whereas still, so, I mean, if you ask just anybody, oh, well, who's who's Batgirl? Oh, isn't she like the daughter of Commissioner Gordon? But I mean, so for an entire generation, there was not a Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And then they brought out that second Batgirl who was not very good. I didn't really enjoy her. Her name was Cassandra Kane, I think. Because you have to have alliteration on everything, because it's a comic book, obviously. Of of course you do. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I mean, uh, uh, and uh, but but like you know now with all of the weird like new fifty two and then you know all of the reboots that they've done, Barbara Gordon. Is... Although I mean, I also get their point in the fact that. Uh, um, Obviously in a world, in a universe, in a multiverse, where you have people like Cyborg, who is literally someone who is paralyzed, and they gave him his wife his superhero who's in a wheelchair. Um, I believe they made the story... uh, Thing that Barbara chose to be in the chair. She was like, no, I don't need any of that stuff. I can be the person in a chair, I don't need to have any surgical augmentations or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: anyway. I think the one thing people need to keep in mind, and you know, we're getting a Killing Joke uh, animated movie this uh, September, which the, the trailer's up, it's, it's awesome. Uh, Mark Hamill is back as the Joker uh, and Kevin Conroy's back as Batman. And then Mark Hamill said he would only ever do the Joker again if, uh, you know, he, he did the, the killing joke. Um, but this this is in no way, you know, where that scene is brutal and it's horrible. And even though, like I said, there's nothing, you know, it's all alluded to, um, it's still, it's aside from, I'd say, death in the family, probably the, the worst thing he's ever done. Um, and this kind of, this was kind of like for me also was when the Joker grew up in a sense that it actually became that horrible bastard. Not in the sense that like he grew up as far as he was an adult. I mean that he was always portrayed as kind of like the jokey character. Like yeah, he was out there a bad guy, but he wasn't this truly horrible monster. Um, and this was him going to the utter depths of depravity and. You know, not only changing the life of, you know, of that girl forever and now she becomes an oracle, um, but stealing someone's innocence. And in some way, that's almost worse than murder.
2: Well, yeah, and the, the horrific experiences of this book, I kind of was thinking about it. If they were to make this into a live action movie, this would be a horror movie more than it would be a superhero movie. Oh, and it, yeah, it wouldn't. No, it's. Ugh, I don't even want to think about live action movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it would be terrible. Uh, but yeah, it, it, is, it is some of the most horrific things that The Joker does. And I think that's. That might be part of what leads uh, the Batman to evolving into what you eventually get with the Dark Knight and Christopher Nolan stuff. Is you have to have your villains grow up for your hero to grow up. Yeah. You know, and as and this is where you know the jo- the the villains get bad enough that the Batman has to become more serious and darker and that kind of thing. And this and that this is probably a pretty good stepping off point if you look at the history of Batman as to where that probably started happening. It may have happened earlier than that. Someone who's more well read at comics than me may know that, but. It does seem to be a kind of turning point comic where it starts taking things into a certain sense of reality uh, and, and going darker than it was. I mean, it's it's not your Adam West Batman and
0: Joker, you know. So, I mean, I was just talking about how the Joker, um, you know, he he actually is like he develops like a, a real plan. And his, his theory is whether or not the backstory, the flashbacks that are happening in A Killing Joke or the real things or as he says that he likes a multiple choice backstory um that he is like his theory of one bad day can change someone's entire outlook on life where you can literally have just the worst day ever and to Joker that is the difference between a good person and a bad person and then he tries to make the um the The analogy of him and Batman, because obviously one bad day changed Batman's life as well. However, he chose not to then go murder people. Um, but you yeah, know, it, 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 it is interesting. It's a it's an interesting character study of him. Um, I di- it, like it's kind of it's kind of still gimmicky, where you know that. Uh, but and also it's like the throwback, which I read in the um, Camera Frozen the Ford by Tim Sale, or if it's in the Uh, because i have like the uh,
2: the hardbound edition yeah yeah yeah.
0: the thing is about Um, the edition you can get right now for that book probably um but uh like that that original story where he was the red hood who fell in the vat of chemicals and that drove him insane like it's still a little bit hokey where it's like yes super traumatic things happened to him his pregnant wife had died he obviously was a failed comedian and you know all of these other bad things um but then it was just like and then i fall into a vat and i turned white with green hair and then i just laugh and become insane like it's kind of like i i, I don't feel like there was enough of a, of a psychotic break it was just okay. kind of like and then and then i went insane okay okay i got and you girl so just
2: funny. you know no, I, actually, I, I see your point in that. It does feel like a little bit of a jump uh, from, you know, hey, I'm having a bad day and I fell into some chemicals and now I look insane. Uh, that uh, Then he jumps all the way to the persona of the
0: Joker, uh, yeah. which, I mean, and, I mean, I, I mean, whether or not like the chemicals that he fell in also affect his brain chemistry. Like, you know, you can say all of those kind of things because it's just like he fell into chemicals. We don't really know so, what he fell into. Here's a question then. If you...
2: I mean, he does talk about having... Preferring his backstory to be multiple choice. And there does seem to be a little bit of a, a hole in the uh, break of him becoming insane and all that kind of... Do you feel like this is... Does that imply that this is a story that he made up? Or
0: does that imply more that it's a story that's true? Well, he he talks about how... Um, How, you know, he, um, because there's also the part where he, when he's putting um, Commissioner Gordon in like the roller coaster thing about how, um, you know, you shouldn't live in the past tense and that the past is hurtful because anytime you go through it, you'll find the things that you wanted to forget. And, and, you know, so there's probably still more there or, because, you know, who knows if like this, if this was the true psychotic break and, No, he was also, like, beaten as a child. So he had, like, you know, all of that kind of stuff going on with him. And, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's probably still more. But, you know, we're just getting this little kind of snippet.
2: And that'll about do it for this week's episode. Next week, we'll finish our conversation of The Killing Joke. This very NPR-sounding outro was provided to you by the fact that it's early in the morning and my wife is still sleeping. You can find us on funnybooksandfirewater.com. Until next time... Please support your local comic shop and remember to always tip your bartender.